Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks, and we talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Molly Alice is our guest this week. Greetings, Molly. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to have you. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's um, it's been a long time coming. So, in my opinion, <laughs> so uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you've been on the radar for a while. And then uh, Dan was like. You should have Molly on the show. And I was like, oh my God, you're totally right. So, um, uh, awesome. it, yeah. And it's still also like a thing about the podcast where you're just like, I don't know, would they want to do it? Like, it's like a weird thing where you just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, this person's probably busy, but the sticker, the sticker alone make, makes me super pumped to be on this show. Oh, cool. Cool. <laughs> sticker That's great. is so good. It's also my two favorite colors. It's like, oh, yes. And lavender. Yeah. It's really, whoever designed it, it's really good. Yes. This guy, um, Wolf Mask. Wolf Mask, yeah, from the UK. He's like a, he does a lot of like, like metal bands and stuff, unsurprisingly. But nice. he has a, a nice like cartoony weird style that um, I really like a lot. And I was like, Taylor, can we, can we have this guy do our logo? And we're like, well, we'll see how much yeah. it was. And he was very reasonably priced. So We had a great conversation with him too, where yeah. we said, well, can you make it gloopier? And he said, yes. oh, I, th- I thought you guys would think it was too gloopy. And then he really made it gloopier. <laughs> Yeah. It used to be significantly less. Yeah, I was about to say the melting, slimy uh, quality to it is like my favorite thing. It's good. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yep. Yeah, he, yeah it was, he was, I think, very happy that we asked him to turn up the gloop. Yeah, <laughs> always, always turn up. It's like my favorite font. That and like the lightning bolt font. Those uh, are like yeah. my two favorite yep. fonts, I think. Yeah. yeah. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he is gender pronoun. Uh, I run the Exoskeleton Art Space in Los Angeles and host infrequent art openings and events there. Uh, and I also run the Exoskeleton Newsletter, which is a somewhat frequently sent email newsletter. I'm also a user experience designer uh, here in Los Angeles. Oh, and I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, uh, DIY activist. Can I say that? And uh, in, in Chicago, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. Awesome. Uh, I am Molly Alice. Uh, I am also an artist, education, uh, educator, and a musician. Um, I use she and her pronouns. I like making things out of trash. And um, yeah, really excited for this theme to reveal itself. Ooh. One of the things about this podcast is I'm trying to just have more product and so i'm oh. i'm envious of your, oh, your output man. thank you i go through um yeah i kind of have like an on off switch sometimes i'll go for months with where i'm just like totally not even thinking about art and then i'll go through months where i'm just making things non-stop and it's it's intense so yeah it's kind of how i roll but um but thank you that's that's a nice yeah i guess i do like making stuff i actually haven't been in a period of like making tons of art at the moment so this was really cool because i was like i'm so busy with other stuff so this was really yeah. great to be like okay actually i'm gonna I'm gonna do this see if you can squeeze it in yeah, yeah. yep totally yeah um Mo- molly you're you're an artist so taylor knows this well and and people who listen to the podcast regularly will have heard this but i've been sort of on a quest to um like tune up my style Mm. (laughs) i guess style is the right word to identify it i think yeah yeah exactly and sort of just figure out like what i like and um hone in on that and like figure out Mm. how to kind of always be working through that lens of like 
um, I don't know, color and mm. form and all that kind of stuff. And you mm-hmm. are someone who I definitely thought about uh, while working on this process. Um, cool. Yeah, I have like a, uh, what's that called? Pinboard? Pinboard. Yeah, pinboard of like tons of LA artists and stuff who I bookmark their stuff. And so I had gone through those and I was like, oh, 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 that one like <laughs> like yours hit for sure. And awesome. um, I was curious. So I was curious about how you like when you take on a project, like when you when like an idea comes to you, do mm-hmm. you even think about like that the t- maybe work you've made before or sort of things that you go back to like line weight or, you mm. know, that kind of stuff? Or do you just go and, and it comes out? <laughs> Cardboard. Yeah, right. Yeah. Color, mm. power, that kind of stuff. Totally. Um, uh, it's a tough question because I'm really bad at like working in one form. I'm like uh-huh. kind of the worst at that. Like uh-huh. I, I have tried to be like, uh, I, I can't really seem to pin down what I do for very long before I want to do something different. So mm-hmm. in one way, um, I feel like it's it's different every t- like how I approach things is is really different every time but uh but yeah in another way my my style yeah it's like it's still me and my style is still me and doesn't change and um and uh yeah so I guess that always comes through and for me uh I don't know people always tell me that I, I I have like the kid art vibe, which um you know, I work with kids and I teach kids how to use uh power tools and build stuff and uh so like I just like getting hyper stimulated, so yeah, all the patterns and all the colors in my face is is often <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Rob, let me just quickly say one of the first things that I saw about your style and that I definitely stands out in my mind. And I think even when I was like telling my girlfriend about you guys and you and your Uh show, like I start I like started off by talking about those like silver high top sneakers you have. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know if you still have them, but they really stuck with me like yeah. So as far I feel like as far as your style goes, I'm like you are super on point with those shoes and also like working at NASA and like having those like metallic shoes and like your awesome hair. I'm yeah. like it all it's all really working. It's, work, yeah, it's working thanks. out. Thanks. Yeah, totally. Had, you should switch over to all Tyvek, Reb. <laughs> Reb, have have you ever made made shoes before? Well, I've thought about it. Like ground up. Mm-hmm. I thought about it because mm-hmm. Taylor shared a link a couple of episodes ago about this guy. It's a kid. It's a yeah. He's like maybe yeah. He's very young. Retro Snickers. Are you familiar with this YouTube channel, Molly? No, not at all. It's um, it's something. It really is. Like he has almost a million followers. Um, and he is a shoe restorer. Wow. Um, and so he'll take like he'll be like, here we go. This episode, we've got some 1993 Jordans, 
and this is what they look like now. And then he goes through the process of how to restore them. Um, wow. And he'll have like a donor shoe, which is like a shoe that you have that maybe has certain pieces that look very similar. And so he'll take that shoe apart and then use those pieces in the rebuild. It's really Whoa. quite something. It's really wow. great. Yeah. So he's kind of re, he's like fab- practically fabricating new new ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. He has some that where he even will take, the ones that are my favorites are where he, he I, I think they're not most people's favorites. I think a lot of people just like, like, being like, oh, that's a super ragged out classic. You know, mm. let's see what he does. But some of them he actually sort of makes shoes that he thinks are kind of whack, like cool, you know, mm. which is cool. So. Well, I love I love high top sneakers, so I definitely have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, sounds totally. awesome. Yeah, cool. There's also yeah, so maybe he's been around long enough that he's older now. But one of my favorite things about one of his restoration videos was he had like a fly model wearing the finished product, but she yes. was a very young person. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so she was appropriately like it was clear that she was done up. You know, you know, but how in like um youth culture dressing up looks really specific but it's not this sort of universal thing that you would associate with a particular kind of like cocktail dress or business suit or something uh-huh. so, so it was really it was really cool to see like a 12 year old sort of modeling something in a way that was completely appropriate yeah mm-hmm. like like teen dressing up you know <laughs> yeah but, yeah but not prom you know yeah yeah it was, it was good yeah Gary totally. Panter, Molly, is someone... Gary Panter? Do you know Gary Panter? Gary Panter? Who's that? He um, was one of the people... He's a cartoonist. And his, okay. his work... Um, when you, his, a cert, He has a certain style that I feel... That I really like. That I feel like um, shares, some, shares some things with your work. Uh, mm. He was one of the lead designers of the Pee Wee's Playhouse... Look. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I'm looking mm-hmm. at his stuff now. It's totally, totally killer. Yeah. His his work Didn't is he, great. Wasn't there a documentary about him? Well, there's also one about uh, what's his name? Wayne White. Is that his name? Yes. That was the one of the other play PB's Playhouse people. He made all the pu- he made all the puppets. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I'm. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm fully obsessed with that show and hope to one day make a. A children's show inspired by Pee-wee's Indeed, it, it needs yes. to happen. Yes, it's on the it's on the to do list. <laughs> We're excitedly waiting. <laughs> Another, cool, Another cool. person that got their start on Pee Wee's Playhouse was um, Rob Zombie. Really? What? Yeah, he was like a PA or something. Wow, wow. that's amazing. Did you guys ever see the <laughs> the Christmas special? I don't know. Could I you don't... remind us how it went? Yeah. Um, it's just like super radical, and it's like all has all these special guests and they're like mostly women of color and it's like oh. uh who was it it's like um Grace Jones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh Whoopi Goldberg Oprah uh what's his name That's I don't know awesome. there's like just a million rad yeah it's just like there's a million rad special guests and I watched it recently and was like oh this is so good how did this ever Make it on to never get made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. ever get made. What a fluke! What an awesome fluke! Yeah, Molly. Before we before we jump into the challenge, I was curious. Mm-hmm. What um, do you have stuff that you're working on now that you're excited about? Or okay, one thing is that 
my band just came up with a new album. Awesome. And I feel pretty pretty good about it. Um it is called the the band is called Bear Club and our album is called Waking Up the Light and we released it literally just like the week before last. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks. And I feel I feel pretty good about it. It's like a it's me and my friend Jenica, and she went to we went to Cal Arts together. She went for percussion, and she's just totally shreds it on the drums. And uh, it's like a pretty grungy album. And uh, yeah, it it was we sat on it for a while, but it finally finally came out, and I'm very happy with it. So uh that's that's one thing it's um if you go to my website uh and click on the music page it's like right there cool and uh yeah it's grunge grunge tastic nice um and i am going to hudson new york next week to oh, teach cool. a week long uh cardboard workshop to kids at a school uh, called Kite's Nest, which is a really cool school that uh, my friend helped start. And um, I don't totally know how to describe it. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a free school. Um, uh-huh. It looks like they it's it's really like project based and they uh, do a lot in the community in Hudson and um there's like a whole cooking thing and a whole garden thing and um and building and it just seems like a really rad school uh so yeah i'm going to go there and and we're going to build a i don't know what we're going to build maybe a cardboard city but maybe something different i don't know we'll see <laughs> but nice. yeah and rub you're first right i i i guess i am yeah yeah i'm uploading my zip And actually, while we're letting this download, there's become kind of a tradition on the show where we take a moment to talk about a movie that Rob hasn't seen yet. (laughs) Spoil it for him. Uh, It's true. Molly, is there any recent movie that um, you had a strong reaction to? Yeah. So last week, there was one day where I stayed at home because I was sick and I made myself not do anything. And I was like, I'm just going to not uh, move my body so nice yeah so hard to do for me sometimes but i was like i'm really just gonna lay on this couch so anyway i recently got netflix and i saw this documentary called um jiro dreams of sushi did you guys hear oh that's that? a great one that's i have not one. seen oh this. my god it's so good i was so into it it's like the art of this 85 year old guy who was like an orphan at age nine and he didn't have any he like was on his own and he started apprenticing to become a sushi chef and and now his uh restaurant is like considered the best sushi restaurant in the world wow and And isn't uh, it in a subway it's really tiny yeah it's in a mall and it can only seat 10 people and Mm. 
you know, it's cool because normally when stuff's really like expensive and exclusive, I'm kind of just like, ugh, whatever. But with this guy, you're like, yeah, no, like it's totally <laughs> worth it. I would throw down $300 to like for this guy to prepare sushi for me because he's so yeah. hardcore about it and he like hates holidays because he hates having to take a day off work. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, his work ethic is insane. Should I talk about picture number one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. I am looking at a slight bird's eye view angle of a, uh, I think it's a to-go coffee cup or it's some sort of cup. It's in that realm. With yep. Yeah, in the cup realm. Uh, with a bunch of pennies inside of it. It's filled with pennies. And the lid has a screw in it and a crack. Oh, yeah. The lid has a screw in it. And there's like some twine attached mm-hmm. to the top of the lid, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And then there's like just some, there's a floor. <laughs> and there's a hand holding the cup. Mm-hmm. Picture yeah. two. So now we've got the lid on top of the cup, sealing the cup. Yeah, the screw. And then there's that twine attached to the screw. Yep. Shall we start a... Do you want to do a three, two, one, Molly, and we'll start that video? This is cool. This is... uh, What's that thing called that you can do where you put your... Spirograph. Yeah, it's a spirograph made out of... That mysterious uh, cup full of pennies. <laughs> so the penny, the pennies are a weight. The pennies are then, a weight. Uh, yeah, and the cup that we're looking at is uh, pierced with two holes to allow a uh, a pen to be threaded in there. Yeah. And then there's strings going in either direction. So there's sort of two counterweights leading away from the central weight. And they've been set in motion so that we get a sort of um, slightly eccentric uh, geometric drawing on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's how I feel too. <laughs> yeah. Making a really cool shape. Now I just want to know more about how this thing was made. Should we click mm. on the next thing? Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. So now we're going to four. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it looks really cool. Yeah. Molly, what's your uh, relationship to Ursula? Kay Le Guin, who after all is our challenge. Are you picking up any connections here? Um, I have to be honest, I had never read any Ursula K. Le Guin before this mm-hmm. challenge. So. I had not I had not either. So yeah. <laughs> It definitely has, yeah, that thing of like a space time grid that's like maybe being like warped or something. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The warping of space time. Is yeah, I'd say that's what it looks like. Maybe it almost even maybe looks like there's some sort of like eye black hole thing in the middle. Uh, didn't didn't you do a video where uh, two eight year olds talked about entering a black hole together? I did. Yeah, I did an installation. <laughs> I did. I became obsessed with black holes last year, and uh-huh. I've never been particularly good. I mean, in school, I was not very good at math and science, but I started. Uh, last year watching all of those like Nova documentaries about like 
black holes and parallel dimensions, like, you mm-hmm. know, just breaking down science in a super, super easy to understand way. And yeah, I became obsessed with black holes. Um, and I wrote a lot of songs about them and I made an installation about them. And I've always wanted to curate a show, a show about black holes, Molly. So maybe we should commiserate. On oh that. yeah, we should talk. Yeah. I, I made an animation about them. I, I mean, with my, with my installation I did, it was, Basically, on the other side of a black hole, there was like a clubhouse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this looks rad. I'm digging this imagery right now. Yeah, cool. It's called a, a it has a name. Uh, okay. It's called a coupled pendula harmonograph. Uh, Whoa. The critical part is the harmonograph part. And if you mm. YouTube harmonograph, you'll see there's a number of ones that people have made almost all of them more elaborate than the one I made. <laughs> um, uh, and I will admit that this this is the third thing I attempted to make for this episode, and it's the only thing that moderately succeeded in the time that I had. <laughs> so, so uh, but I'm, I am excited about this, and it was the most successful of the three, but I am going to finish the first thing that I've tried to make and I'll post it. We can talk about it in a future episode. Love them. There's one mistake Super. that I made in the construction of mine. Um, I really liked... So this is modeled off, one, off of one that I saw that is largely made out of t- just twine, um, mm-hmm. which mine is pretty much. Uh, other people have made much more elaborate ones out of wood. Um, and mm. I like the twine one because it, it looks a lot more like ramshackle and weird. You know, like... And it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more mysterious. Like the other ones have a kind of mechanical fascination where you're just like, look at the wood pieces moving back and forth, you know? But I like the twine one because it just feels almost less believable that it's happening or something. Um, Totally. What I didn't realize, though, is that the person who made the one that I really liked put springs in the top of the two weights, which allows, allows them to oscillate both up and down and back and forth which would create a lot more swing in the pin. Um, you can see my okay. pin is sort of limited largely to left and right motion for the most part, um, which makes everything sort of look stretched horizontally. Um, but it's very spirography, you know? Um, yeah. So I listened to The Lathe of Heaven by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, yeah. I had started with another book, and it was very big, and I kind of wanted to get... I kind of wanted to finish one, and so... Um, I switched to the Lathe of Heaven late last week, and it w- was much better. Like, I really, really liked it. It's a really cool story. Um, uh, but there's an interaction pattern in the book that happens over and over and over again between oh, right. two mm. characters. One of them is a doctor and one of them is a patient. And there's also that same interaction pattern that's happening between the kind of protagonist in the book and the environment in the world. And it's... And I have a quote from the book that I I think sums it up, so I'll read that. Um, Okay, here we go. And this is a quote from the doctor to the patient. I simply... Oh, before I say this. So a huge factor in this book is is the notion of dreaming and just like what it is to dream, who dreams, Mm -hmm. who doesn't dream, what do dreams mean to people, et cetera, et cetera. So, and the the doctor is a sort of dream doctor. I'm not spoiling anything by saying that. Um, And he's sort of working with this patient who's having trouble with his sleep and stuff. I simply outlined the Desiradata to you among the suggestions for a dream. 
as I always do. I tried to suggest how to implement some of them, but those suggestions never seem to take hold. They get twisted out of all recognition by your damned primary process thinking. And what I liked about that quote um, was this interaction pattern in the book is about kind of instigating a thing and then watch it watch it take on its own life and kind of do its own thing mm-hmm. um and that you can't mm. you don't get to you just don't get to control something from front to back in life you you sort of instigate something and it sort of moves through space and time with you and you're kind of along for the ride with it and you can shape it and stuff but it's it's also doing its own thing and so i liked I had seen um, a video of a similar contraption a few weeks ago, and I had bookmarked it just because I thought it was cool. And then I remembered that that harmonograph video and was like, oh, yeah, it's like a thing where you sort of just like thawing the string, and then you kind of watch the drawing just get made from thawing the string. And so I thought that had a nice overlap with the sort of interaction pattern that kept coming up in the book. So... So I made this as a kind of interpretation of the book as a kind of physical drawing object. Sure. Awesome. I'm I'm really, really bummed that my first idea is not done. Um Aww. like I really busted well, my Well don't ass keep teasing to us. Just tell us what it is, dude. Well, I I I want to <laughs> show it more. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. What I'm working on is um it's a Murphy bed that is dream themed. <laughs> it has a quote from the book in it. Um, and nice. it sort of makes different references to dream states and like, um, like brain patterns while you're asleep is part of the thing. So, yeah, so it's happening. It's just, uh, in pieces Whoa. in my shop right now. I don't think I've ever slept in one. Do they fold up into the wall? Is that what they do? Yeah. 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 And this is what I'm building is called a lorry bed and a lorry bed is, just this woman, Lori Moore, who kind of came up with a, a more simple version of a Murphy bed that doesn't have any like uh, uh, actuators or anything to kind of assist it. It just sort of is curved on one end, so it's kind of easy to roll over against the wall. Mm. So, And I like that it was a sort of woman-designed nice. um, furniture piece. Yeah, there you go. You know, that kind of that's matched. That's cool. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah, so that's that's... I had this super big dream when I started. I was like, I'm going to make a quilt that goes with it. Like I had like all sorts of, you know, <laughs> Whoa. The, the big idea yes. got bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden the big idea fell completely apart. And so I had to switch gears like three days ago and be like, okay, how do I want to do this? But <laughs> Rob, I want you to, I want you to feel confident to come to one of these shows just with a flaming disaster. I mean, I think that's, what's kind of fun about making stuff is even when it's like not really the thing you wanted to do, it's still pretty fun to do, you know. <laughs> so, that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I think we should check out Molly's. What do you say? Let's do it. Yep. Yeah, let's do it, or you guys do it. Okay. So I see. So are there there are two things that that make up your yeah your material? Yeah, I think they could be uh, experienced simultaneously. Okay. Uh, if you so desire. So, Rob, I'm going to download the PDF and then just play the audio streaming. Yeah, sounds good. 
What do you think? Does that work for you? You want to do a little a little three, two, one contact? I'm okay, ready. Rob, ready? Yep. Three, two, one, contact. of magic, the ways of the people, the battle between good and evil. The minds of men are spoiled and feeble, but the minds of witches will find no equal. knowledge, unlock the lore, the secret society will rise once more, the trees hold the wisdom, ancient and true, the origins of earthsea, held at their They plunder and seek to destroy That which is sacred from the heart of a boy Named Otter or Medra Or turn some have called him A seeker of justice Shapeshifter a novice Who knows not his power Sorcery divine But with pure intentions His purpose aligned a school for wizards who walk free of all masters on the Isle of Rook, hidden from disaster. cross-legged on a shag rug <laughs> yes right now yeah did you guys yeah. like my font yes your font totally cool yeah the, yeah rub i don't know if you want to start from uh, like an aesthetic thing or a, a content thing but um especially i mean personally rub you're a music person but as a less music person on my end I'm, I'm always floored by like i wouldn't really know where to begin in terms of yeah. assembling yeah, a full composition, and I'm assuming Molly that that's all just you know that was all you doing the backing vocals and the performing the instruments and stuff, right? Yes, I mean you know by performing I mean using GarageBand. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I, I am curious about that. Like, did do uh, like I heard a few. I heard definitely a thing that sounds like a a big drum to me, like a floor tom or a bass drum or something. Yep. And yeah. a tambourine like object. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a guitar. Yes. And then yep. 
a sort of pan flute recorder kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just I was curious how those became part of the track. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I don't know. It's not very like interesting to say, but it all just straight <laughs> up came from GarageBand. Other than the my acoustic guitar, like it was just oh. like okay. I, you know, um, at whatever point I can talk more about the process of like, you know, the vibe of the song, but that's the vibe I was going for and found those, found those instruments, uh, in my MIDI controller and that was that. So, yeah. So, So do you subscribe to this notion that it's somehow less interesting if it's based on samples or are you just sort of anticipating other people's potential critique um i mean i don't think using samples is is uninteresting i think Mm -hmm. that um i do think that people performing instruments is cooler than Mm -hmm. garage band performing instruments um so i'm always a little bit you know it's like it's like okay, I have a few days to make this song, so you know, gonna bust out with my garage band instruments. Uh, but yeah, in my ideal world, I like collaborate with humans playing things. But obviously, you can't always make that happen right away. I mean, I think remixing songs is really interesting, and I think uh-huh. that working on the computer isn't like inherently not creative. Just you know, I'm basically like with this just substituting my MIDI controller for people that yeah. could mm-hmm. play that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. What yep. what book is this? Is there a, a specific book this is referencing? Yeah, yeah. So I went to the bookstore because I was like, oh, man, I got to read some Ursula K. Le Guin. And uh, they only had a couple. And uh, the one I got was the young adult book uh, from the Earthsea series. Um, it's called Tales from Earthsea. Um, and it's super awesome. Like, I'm totally into it. It's, like, totally gripping. And for me, is like a mashup of, like, Lord of the Rings. And um, there's definitely some Harry Potter vibes because it's about this young boy who discovers he has magical powers but his family kind of like rejects him for it and then he like leaves and goes and studies with other you know witches and he goes to this island and then he becomes older and develops a school for witches and um so yeah it kind it kind of has a and there's a lot of like celtic vibes and right. um yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of going off of some of those, uh, some of that stuff of like the Celtic vibes and the Lord of the Rings kind of quest to battle good and evil, which I love. I'm totally into that. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, so I basically just, um, kind of took, what I had read so far from the young adult story and tried to turn it into a, a song in the, in the like spirit of the book. It was really fun to, to just try to take the the plot and basically turn it into a, a sort of like 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's wizard rock because it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not electric, but you know something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember reading that. Um, so in Harry Potter, I think there's a band called the uh, the Weird Sisters, oh, which I believe yeah. is a reference to an actual sort of historical set or like mythological set of witches or something. But there was an existing Weird Sisters band, and I think that. Um, uh, J.K. Rowling just sort of accidentally hit upon it, and there was a lawsuit or something like oh. that. Oh, uh, witches, witches suing witches. Did you guys ever hear this band called Harry and the Potters? No. Yeah, they are. They're they identify as a wizard rock band, and they exclusively write songs about the Harry Potter books, and they perform mm-hmm. in li- in libraries, and uh, they're very popular amongst like the tweens and the teens and um and they're really good i really like their music um but yeah i mean i actually am kind of interested like right now me and my bandmate are making an album about outer space and um it's like kind of a it's it's kind of a it's not a kids album per se but it like totally could be you know um I also want to make an album called Veggie Raps, which is like about <laughs> vegetables and why they're super awesome. So, yeah. yeah, this was like a nice outlet for my like, yeah, I don't know, maybe the direction I'm going in with my songwriting, which seems to be going more to like a like a kid's storytelling zone. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it was cool that it was a young adult book too. Like I, yeah, right. I I connected with that, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was really great. I'm so glad that the theme was Ursula K. Le Guin because I I had had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only did you rock it, but you thought that you would just be the lonely producer on this podcast, and then we would just be sitting in judgment of your. <laughs> I know <laughs> your product. So, uh, so double double credit to you yep. for. Uh, for making it happen yeah, thank you thank you yeah it was a lot of fun all right got some some pictures for you guys so check okay. them out see what you think download the zip uh molly if you want to take it from the top and i'll jump in uh Sure, sure. Uh, I see um, it looks like six uh, squares of wood, and they are all wood glued together and held in a vise. Yeah, it's like maybe the squares are maybe eight inches by eight inches, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would be my guess. I don't know what kind of wood it is. Yeah, walnut, maybe. They're being glued into like a a chunk, I feel like. Yeah. It is indeed, it is indeed walnut. I'm a walnut maniac now. Yeah, walnut's nice. the jam. <laughs> it's so nice to work with. Is it uh like really hard or really soft or? It machines really well. So yeah. It doesn't chip out and. It doesn't, it's not nice. splintery and squishy like pine, but it's very easy to carve. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Expensive, mm-hmm. but cool. Okay. So in image number two, we see that Taylor has sort of trimmed off 
um, mm-hmm. all the corners into making this block a sort of octagonal shape. Yeah. Um, kind of roundish. And then there's like a, I don't know what the S spindle. I don't know what the right word is, but it's um a little cap on the top. Is it for twisting a threaded rod into it? That's what I think of too. Like one of those kind of plum- black plumber's pipe kind of connectors. Uh, okay. People make furniture out of. That's what I think of, but it looks a little bit fancier than that. But but we'll see. Yeah, looks uh-huh. like a, a stand for something. Yeah, yes. let's see. Uh oh, cool. Okay. Wow. Um, is this a lathe? It is. Okay, so it's getting is like Turn? to lay the verb. Yeah. It's getting lathed. I think so. Yeah, it's getting lathed. Turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> turning to like a beautiful, uh, yeah, beautiful, smooth, uh, polished looking cylinder. Cylinder. Yep. Yep. It's maybe six Looks- inches wide by kind of six inches thick, maybe but something like that, seemingly. Well, you're pretty good, Reb. Yeah. I think that's that's right on the money. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it looks good. Looks really good. Oh, image number four. We see it's been turned into more of a kind of bowl shape, where mm-hmm. one of the ends of the cylinder has been turned down uh, into like a little pedestal, small kind of base, and then it's like turned into like a wooden bowl. But it's still very thick. It's one solid hunk of wood. It's not carved out in the middle, but it's definitely bowl shaped. And oh yeah, number five. The remnants. We see some remnants, yep. Some lathe oh. sawdust remnants. Yep. Oh, there it is. There's yep. the bowl. Number six. Is that is a beautiful, beautiful bowl. Yeah, Taylor made a wooden bowl. I'm blushing over here. No, it's beautiful. I totally yeah. want that bowl. That's such a nice bowl. <laughs> I want to have some salad from that bowl. Yeah, and then some like <laughs> and then some potions. Whoa, look at it now. Yeah, now it's like a potion bowl because yeah, it's been yeah. stained. Yeah, that's looking it's great. It's been stained. Taylor, you made a bowl. I, I did. The, uh, yeah, this, so of course, the lathe of heaven that Rob oh, yeah. referred to. Mm. I thought I'd go pretty, um, you know, pretty conceptual on that one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> nice. But the, there's actually a funny story about the lathe of heaven. So apparently one of the things that, so I that I've seen the movie. Oh. Um, there's a movie that's it's kind of hard to follow because it's in that era uh-huh. where it's like, oh, you know, remember with all the outer limits and all that, they'd have these stories like, what if what if there were robots but they just looked like people, and then, you know, so then it's just really cheap to produce. Yeah. But then you really have to use your imagination. So the um. Lathe of Heaven was kind of like that, where it's just this guy talking about dreaming, and then the sort of, um, they'd cut back and forth between things, but there wouldn't really be significant, like everybody is gray and in one invocation of the story, and they just put gray makeup on everybody. And Anyway, so, <laughs> but apparently one of her interests was um, Eastern philosophy. Yeah. And so the story that I read about it was she had read a translation of this particular Chinese philosopher's um, stories. And Sorry, then, uh, those are my dogs. Yeah, what are your dogs' names? Uh, Max and Belle. Oh, Hold on oh, one second. Doggies. <laughs> Sorry. 
Dogs. <laughs> it's all good. So, nice. uh, so with the lathe of heaven, apparently Ursula Le Guin read this particular translation, and let me get the quote here real quick. So the quote was a uh, what. Um, to let understanding stop at what cannot be understood is a high attainment. Those who cannot do it will be destroyed on the lathe of heaven, right? Whoa. So I spent some time with that, and I don't really get it. Uh, although I, su- <laughs> I suppose that the idea is like if you if you sort of reach a point and you realize that you're not going to get any further just to be okay with that was as far as I could get with it. Uh-huh. But then it's sort of this really odd phrase, right? Like to destroy something on a lathe, it's not really a destroy tool. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's kind of not what it's for. And so um, sure enough, apparently there was a um, a guy uh, who got in touch with Le Guin later after she'd written the book and said like, you know, that was actually a really shitty translation because um, lathes didn't even exist in China at that point. <laughs> and so, so as it turned out, the uh, it was just like a reference to some other kind of tool or whatever. But she like a spinning you know, wheel this, or something, right? Like something le- that is yeah, similar to a lathe. I was looking around and trying to find out what they were referring to, but the uh, yeah, me too. I, I couldn't find it in my cursory research, but uh, I love the idea that she read you know, a translation of somebody else's work from hundreds of years ago and then a quote in there launched this entire novel and then later she realized it was just kind of all bunk. And so the <laughs> the thing that I love about it is that, you know, I mean, she still comes up with a fully formed creative product and then when the um, the origin kind of evaporates, it's not like the product evaporates, it's still there. So I, I love the idea that you could be inspired by something that wasn't true or that like that that wasn't the actual thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so in this case, it was just I read about that, and then it kind of gave me license to do anything. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So this this bull was inspired by Le, Ursula Le Guin's book, which was inspired by this quote, which wasn't even the right quote. <laughs> That's awesome. And sorry, uh, what was the, what was the, the title, the exact title of the, of book? the book? Yeah. Uh, her book was just the lathe of heaven. The lathe of heaven. Okay. Uh, I have a question, which is what do you, um, is there anything specifically you feel like, you want to use the bowl for, or do you yeah. feel like you're just like, it's a bowl or are you like, this is a sacred bowl? It's, it's a good question. I mean, the, the thing, one of the things I've been really trying to do with these projects is to make them as short and tight as possible. Mm. Um, so on this one, I just said, you know, I'm just gonna, I have this piece of wood in my studio that I can glue up into a, a blank and then I'm just going to come in tomorrow. So I think I started carving this thing at like 2 p.m. today. Nice. Uh, oh. That's I'd never awesome. used a lathe before. What? <laughs> so, so the uh, it was really interesting too. I mean the uh, the gouge. So you use these gouges, right? So yeah. it's like it's like a if you've ever been to Louisville and you go um, to the Slugger baseball bat factory, you know you can get these like um, sort of little take-home baseball bats that are half length or something these gouges are huge they're Mm. (laughs) they're like a miniature baseball bat with this huge metal uh, blade on it and then you um you lay it against this uh, sort of arm that's sitting right next to the spinning wood and then you have to introduce the gouge to the wood 
And then initially, if your blank isn't already cylindrical, it's sort of octagonal, as in my case. Mm. So it's coming by and really making, you know, really rough, abrupt contact like, with this metal piece. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I found it really, it was really laborious and physically demanding and kind of intimidating, too, because, you know, if it... If it grabs that gouge, I mean, it'll really put the hurt on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so so it's just for me, it was all process, and I just came in and said, you know, this is the size of the wood, so what kind of shape looks like it should go on that wood, and it was just mm-hmm. all done by hand, you know. So it was like, oh, I'm going to make the base this big, and I'll make the wall thickness that big. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it was great because I work on the computer so much. It was really nice just to say. Um, to sit there and commune with the material and have to really wrestle it. Um, so I just have, I mean, I got the bowl in my hand right now. I've got no idea what I'll put in it, but I, I put a food safe finish on it. So maybe I'll just nice. eat cereal, yeah. cereal out of it tomorrow or something. <laughs> Taylor, that's awesome. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I, it was very satisfying. And if you guys have access to such a tool, I really recommend it. I don't know. It was sort of, I think it was easier... Then um, it's funny how these tools help you in some, like in some tools you have to really fight in a lot of ways, Yeah. but this one's Mm -hmm. really set up to do things like you can't really make a wobbly piece on a lathe like this Uh unless, you know, you chuck the wood in wrong and then you're just in for problems in general. Um, Yeah. I have a friend who teaches uh, lathes work to kids and they make like um wooden pens oh yeah pen yeah yeah it's awesome that seems like a good yeah yeah, it seems like a fun activity i have i have very little experience with that tool i I would love to spend more time with it there's some great sort of learning to be a machinist tricks you can do that actually can produce non-cylindrical stuff on a lathe oh cool classic one i'm gonna throw this up on um the slack here real quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was looking at this too this week, but there's this thing where you take a cylindrical blank, so like an aluminum rod, a really thick one, okay. and then you chuck it in at different angles and you can actually use it to carve out these nested cubes that are free Whoa. from one another. I'm looking yeah, at so it. It's insane. How would you describe that visually? Man, it makes me feel like it's existing in like multiple dimensions at the same time. <laughs> it's yeah, really yeah. <laughs> really trippy looking object. Oh yeah. Um Yeah, wow. And I think the image I sent is actually not perfect cuz that one is still joined, but the the ultimate point of this particular sort of um lathe challenge is to make these little subsequent, you know, concentric cubes free so they can kind of spin around in relationship to one another yeah this is the sort of the thing that i love about the podcast is the opportunity to uh because i've had this lathe sitting in front of me at work for like seven years (laughs) just never never sat down and then ultimately when it came to make you know go from like start to finish and have a functional object it really only took about three hours that's awesome Um, do you work in a do you work in like a wood shop yeah, yeah. So I, I teach at Columbia College in Chicago, teach art classes. Oh, and, nice. Um, yeah, we've got a really good wood shop. And, and the funny thing is it's just it's so hard to use the equipment in an efficient enough way that everyone's on it all the time. And especially yeah. tools like the lathe. Because it, it is a tool where if you hurt yourself on it, you're going to hurt yourself pretty good. Um, yep, yep. 
So I think the spindles are a lot safer to make, whereas things with internal rounds are more difficult because if you're reaching inside, you know, you can kind of grab yourself. But um, yeah, so these tools are not just open and working all the time. And this is one of the ones that gets neglected a bit by the students. So I've been trying to kind of go through those tools and bring them back out to the fore a little bit more. Molly, you have you have a challenge for us or you may have a challenge for us? Oh, Ooh. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The best part. Okay. Um cool. Well, the um the theme that I chose before before we all met was uh-huh. uh was uh fermentation. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like it might be good to stick with that. I can't even remember what it was at the beginning of the show now that <laughs> I got excited about. I, I literally can't remember. You guys seemed – it sounded like you guys were kind of excited about fermentation. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I can okay. do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do Let's you, have that be the theme. Do you have any parameters, other parameters you want to place on it or like for us to think about or guidance or anything? Like any experiences personally that you have with fermentation or anything – Anything else? I mean, I, not really. I huh? just started to, I'm like really late in the game and I just started to learn how to ferment my own food uh-huh. and um, from Spoons. that wild fermentation book. And uh, yeah, I'm all about it. So it seems like a theme that, um, yeah, could just go in a lot of different directions and could symbolize a lot of different things and yeah. uh i kind of like yeah i kind of like just leaving it totally open cool yeah I all right dig it. molly did you have uh-huh. anything you wanted to share with us and listeners like just stuff you're jamming on books videos oh, yeah. tools one is the earth sea book which is obviously all about this episode but uh yeah tales from earth sea cool. check it out and that's Young part adult of a series novel. Is that right? Yeah, it's part of a series. And you know what? This was the only one they had, and it's uh-huh. like the fifth in the series, okay. and it totally doesn't matter. You okay, can just great. like yeah. read it. Yeah. So uh, that book is really uh, it's pretty riveting. Cool. And then, yeah, I just mentioned Wild Fermentation, which is a pretty popular fermentation book by Sandor Katz. Oh, okay. And um it has a million awesome recipes in it, and it also he also just shares his philosophy around fermentation, and uh, he is someone who is living with AIDS, and he talks about how he's used fermentation to sort of like maintain his health, and it's it's a really mm-hmm. cool book about just like the importance, and it also talks it digs a little bit into. When like which food items started getting industrialized when and how that affected things. So yeah, it goes it goes kind of big, but it has a bunch of amazing fermentation recipes which I've like only just started to scratch the surface of. So, well, also somebody that's kind of contending with a permanent battle against microbes, like mm-hmm. a, deciding to let the microbe in to make friends with the microbe. I don't know exactly. Is that, is, is that too easy? <laughs> no, it's not too easy. It's a big point in in the book, and he talks a lot about that. So, oh, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, I recommend that. Those mm-hmm. are, yeah, I think those are my main my main things. Mm-hmm. Excellent, yeah. cool. Rob. How about yeah. you? I've got a few things, four things, but I'll be quick about them. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> two of them are videos. One of them is not a, not either, and then one of them is a podcast. Um, the first one is Laura Kampf, who's a creative makery person. She has been working on a kind of tiny. I don't know if it's a tiny house, but it's a tiny bedroom for sure. Like it's like a very small space that she's been doing projects uh, through uh, the concept. And she made this really great, she has this kind of loft bed and she made a really nice, really elegant shelf above the bed um, that has a sliding iPad mount in it. So she can lay in bed and watch stuff on her iPad, like with it mounted Mm. like above her head. Um, nice and it's just jamming like it's so good and, and um, Molly I think you will like she has a particular video style that I I really like um, it's very stylized but not like it's not like classically stylized in the kind of Vimeo video of like I'm gonna show all the dust particles in slow motion like it's <laughs> it's stylized right. in this really w- nice while racking focus yes while racking focus <laughs> yeah 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 totally Uh <laughs> Anyway, I really like her videos, and um, this project cool. is great, and she's a really brilliant um, maker and stuff, and it's been cool to see her channel progress over the awesome. years. Awesome. Yeah. And then Matthias Wendell, who is the person who I saw first make um, one of these like yep. pendulum uh, devices that was really cool, he did this project where he made... He's a totally brilliant, wacky person, and he has this shed that had mice in it, so he made a mouse maze for them. <laughs> Amazing. And he put peanut butter and seeds in it, and it has a plexiglass top so he could study how the mice flow through the maze and, like, how quickly they learn where stuff is. Like, he made mm. little seed caches, and so they they would figure out a pattern to the seed cache in, like, seconds. Like, they were super smart about how they did it. And then, like, an, another type of rodent went in, and it had a totally different approach. Like, it was very rigorous, and it made, like, all, all left turns, you know, kind of thing, and it would just keep going until it had... Uh, mapped the maze hmm. out and it, it was like a ermine or something i don't know what it was it was something like that wow yeah it's really cool so um i'll link to that cool. in show notes. um and then the third one is a podcast called the modern maker podcast which i i like and i listen to pretty frequently but their most recent episode is on failure which i think is cool and they have some cool mm. thoughts about nice. projects that they did that they just don't like or didn't do well <laughs> that i thought was cool mm-hmm. and there's a you know it's hard to talk about failure. Even when you're trying to be open about it, it's like a little bit like you can feel them bristle a little bit. Like when they think yeah. about stuff that didn't go well, um, yep. which is cool. Yep. So it's cool that they yeah. put it out and kind of just aired out there. Totally. Their feelings on that a little bit. Um, uh, and then the fourth thing is this, I, I didn't know anything about this, but um, Molly, a, a joint friend of ours, Dan Bastillo sent along an email to me about this conceptual artist person, Christoph. Oh yeah, Bu- yep. Buchel, I guess is how you pronounce it. Taylor, are you familiar with this person at all? This artist is it just a single name, Buchel? Christoph Buchel is his name. Uh, I don't recognize the name. Go he on. he sort of you know structures fancies himself as like a conceptual artist, um, and he's Swiss or Icelandic or something. And he has a project called MAGA, Make America Great Again, ostensibly, right? And it's a, as I understand it. It's a nonprofit kind of uh, organization slash art project that is petitioning to have the prototypes for Donald Trump's border wall designated a national monument. 
Um, and of course, like this person says, like, well, it's not a political piece. It's just a conceptual piece, <laughs> which makes me want to set him on fire. And, yeah. <laughs> and like, like, uh, so anyway, they are, uh, Dan sent along. There's, um, some people here in LA who run a, a cool, like, art and writing, uh, website called Contemptory that Dan has, has some writing on. Um, and they have an open petition to, essentially tell Christoph Buchel to you know get screwed <laughs> and which I signed yeah. because it's a re- yeah. it's like one of those projects where you're just like this is so it's insane it's just so yeah. dumb you know it's just so like dumb. really like you, this is what you're gonna do and then like it's supposed to like fan the flames of you know the art market or so, you know it's supposed to just like do all the things that a thing like this is supposed to do at this point it's just like I couldn't yawn bigger you know so <sighs> yeah God. So, Taylor, had yeah. you heard of this project at all, or is it? I don't know how. Like how well, it's tracking. I'm looking at an image of it. I mean the the image um, that I'm seeing it it is pretty interesting to see just from a engineering perspective how the different wall segments look, and they they've only it looks like they've produced you know maybe ten or fifteen feet along the ground of each wall, and they're yeah. standing separately. Did yeah. you guys see mm-hmm. the picture? I uploaded? Yeah. 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 And so. I do think that there's territory there that's sort of interesting. I think calling the project or the organization Make America Great Again is maybe a little on the nose. So I feel like it's kind of, I feel like there's interesting material to muck around in. I think his implementation of it is just kind of dumb. Yeah. But I, like, I don't, I don't think of it as particularly any, any worse than other bad art. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just, an opportunist saying, oh, you know, generally the liberal art market is not going to run towards, like they're going to be invoking Make America Great Again in a critical way, so there's a space that I can fill right. by invoking it in a sort of quasi-celebratory way. So I feel like to to be aggravated by it gives it power, and so I, I do not care. <laughs> yeah, and, and to claim to be <laughs> apolitical... Which you know, as a yeah, as a white guy it's, from it's Iceland, classic. like, of course you can, it's, you know, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. it's classic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. like I I had this issue with during the election trying to get students. We were taking Photoshop, and so I was trying to get them to make political images, and a lot of them said, "Well, I just I have no no thoughts on politics. Like I have zero. And I was telling you, just like you have to have something, even if it's a really reprehensible idea. And so, yeah, when somebody claims it's not political, it's that is kind of aggravating. But yeah, yeah. it's I, I just feel like nobody else has the reason nobody else had done it is because it's not a good thing to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not it's like not. you're so smart for figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, right, the, yeah. right. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've just been obsessed with you know materiality and sort of getting into um, walnut and boiled linseed oil and paste wax and you know like a lot of much more hands-on stuff than i'm used to doing um hmm. i don't i don't think i have anything else to add you guys did a great job that's cool yeah yeah all right i mean you turned a bowl taylor i mean you're you're done I made yeah, a bowl. yeah that bowl is legit it's totally that legit, bowl is legit. Yeah. yeah thanks guys yeah i yeah. appreciate it I will admit that good. I, you know, did also the lathe of heaven, and I was like, "I'll do something lathe," and I was like, "I don't know how," <laughs> and I just Aww. like punted. And Taylor was like, "Well, I, I, I fired it up this morning." <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. It was, it was really not that hard, guys. Yeah, try it out. 
All right. All right. But I mean, I, I had the benefit of having one just sitting there. Just yes. Waiting. Yes. That is useful. It's been taunting you that for seven years or whatever. So you had to had to step up. Yeah. You can find photos of our finished projects uh, over at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links in the show notes of all this stuff that we've been talking about. And we'll be posting uh, project photos and other related stuff over on our Instagram account, uh, which is Opposable Podcast, which is our Instagram name. You can you can find it there once Ranjit uh, bugs me to put it up there. Oh, is, <laughs> l- l- lately he's been an, an an unofficial participant in getting me off my ass. So yeah. Side note, R- Ranjit, who for ten years did a project uh, in February, is uh, called uh, Instrument a Day. I think almost ten years, nine years at least. Long time. It was ten years, but more days with leap year. Yes, he's now doing a new project <laughs> for the month of February. Where he's collaborating with people, which is really cool. So um, we'll post a link. I don't remember what his website is, but we'll post a link to it in show notes so people can check it out. Because I saw a couple of p- pictures on Facebook, and they look they look really great. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see he's he's doing cool stuff. Uh, cool. Oh, we'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker if you Molly has just seen our stickers. Stickers are a commitment, but I I recommend this sticker. Yes, I do. Uh, I endorse the sticker. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you like melty, melty things. Melty things, yes. Yep. And all you need to do, dear listener, is tell us that you shared an episode with a friend and we'll send you a sticker in the mail. Free of charge. Well, really, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. I will be biking. I bike past the post office every day and I'm happy to put a sticker in the mail for you. Just send us a pretty good deal. Yeah. Pretty good deal. Yeah. Yep. I'd do it. Just contact us. I'd do it. Yeah. I might even put two stickers in that envelope because you know what? It's the same postage. I asked. They they stick together too. Yeah. You never know how many you might get. They do. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. They're awesome. Our logo is created by the Mighty Wolf Mask, who we mentioned at the top of the episode. You can check out his work at wolfmaskart.co.uk. He is a super nice person. Um, And if you're ever in need of cool art work, he should be someone you speak with. We'd like to give Nick Kantar and Adam Van Essen a shout-out as our top Patreon supporters. Thank you, Nick and Adam. If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash thumbs to sponsor us. We have three sponsorship tiers there that you can check out. So even if you don't make a bunch of money, but you want to give us a little bit of that, you certainly can, and we'd be very grateful. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Molly, thanks for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun art challenge, and I, yeah, now I'm really into the Earthsea series, and uh, <laughs> I, wrote a, I wrote a quasi-wizard rock song, you so it was a good, it is very it was a good situation. Yeah. 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 And if you guys didn't see it, apparently this is an established area of music called Filk. Yeah, make sure you spell yeah. that right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> Molly, do you have any things going on? You mentioned an album, so maybe feel free to promote that or any else you know, that, that you have. Happen. Sure. Yeah, if you go to mollyalice.com, which A-L-L-I-S. is the best. Definitely yep. <laughs> um, yeah, M-O-L-L-Y-A-L-L-I-S. Yeah, click on the music page and ye shall find... Uh, some new grungy tracks. So, uh, yeah, that's my little promo. Check it out. 
Uh, if you miss the 90s, look no further. <laughs> yeah, and her, her website has so many cool projects that are like these kind of magical, weird environments made out of <laughs> mini colored things and cardboard. And yep. also really cool clothing that is super cool and funky and um, things that I aspire to wear. So, yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's um, mollyalice.com, which is M-O-L-L-Y-A-L-L-I-S.com. Yes. Molly, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Let's read Ursula K. Le Guin.